This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we're back with T.C. McCarthy to discuss U.S. government programs that deal with the, the paranormal. So I, I'll start with, um, you know, a program that the U.S. government had back in the kind of mid to late 70s called uh, Project Gondola Wish. And this was a program that the government, U.S. government, and, and again, this is all based on declassified documents that you can anyone can readily find on the CIA website just go to you know google search CIA comma crest and then you can just do a search for this um, piece of information and find it but gondola wish was a program that looked into Soviet parapsychology and eastern Bloc parapsychology research and experimentation because you know this is kind of in the height of, at the height of the cold war um, at, at the time, I think in around uh, you know, 1977, when I saw um, some of the results of this study, the Soviet Union had a little bit over 24,000 nuclear warheads. The United States had roughly around 25.5 thousand um, nuclear warheads. And the following year, in 1978, the, for the first time in history, the Soviet Union surpassed the U.S. in, in total number of of warheads. So it was a time of extreme paranoia where the U.S. government was willing to look at anything. And if the Soviets had been working on something since the 1960s, they were, you know, 15, 20, maybe 30 years ahead of the U.S. program. And it really freaked them out. And, you know, they decided to do a study. So they did they did a subsequent study. They found that Soviets, and to kind of make things very, very brief, were working on um, it looked across a number of things. They actually looked at black magic. If you if you look at the kind of the Russian situation, there was a competing philosophy um, ever since the advent of Christianity with paganism and things like that. So, like the Russian experience has a uh, you know a lot of history with you know mediums and and and, and things like that. Um, again, I I'm neither here nor there. It's just history. So the Russians looked at you know black magic programs. My understanding is that didn't go, didn't go very far. Uh, they also looked at clairvoyance, um, particularly uh, remote viewing. So clairvoyance is being able to see um, independent of space and time, uh, or projecting your con you know, or you're projecting your consciousness somewhere else so you can um, review <clears throat> things. Uh, they also looked at telepathy, um, particularly. Um, you know, they tried to use uh, telepathy with um, astronauts to communicate with astronauts, or co not astronauts, but cosmonauts. Uh, again, I don't, that w it turned out based on their experience, the Russians were in some, to some extent, reacting to a rumor of the U.S. conducting some, a similar experiment in the 1960s with the USS Nautilus. 
um, which was a uh, you know, U.S. I believe nuclear submarine or you know like I don't know if it was powered by a nuclear reactor or if they had nuclear tip ballistic missiles, but uh, there were rumors of that. The, the U.S. government obviously denied denied them. So um, it could be it could have been an attempt at misinformation in order to get the Russians all you know kind of wasting effort on something that wasn't that the U.S. believed wasn't real or it could have been real. I don't know. So um, so there were so the, the particular area of Russian telepathy that they were looking at was um, you know compelling or, or 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 compelling people not to do things from a distance or discouraging someone to do things you know at, at, a, at a distance they also uh, looked at you know, telekinesis and there were you know some russian or soviet celebrities that you know appeared to be good at you know at least bending spoons and just you know weird affecting electromagnetic things and, and that i think that was typically on the telekinesis side where they where they focus where they would try to um you know you're not talking it doesn't necessarily just mean moving physical objects but it also means impacting electrical currents and and things like that and there were apparently according to the cia um there's a report that they put out in um the in 1977 that did indicate that in controlled studies that you know there were certain abilities that you you could you you could re that were replicable in controlled experience where you could influence those sorts of, of of things and you know the the CIA at the time was also very careful to try to make this study as scientific as possible where they could um, you know use a scientific method to experiment things and and generally ignored things that fell more into the occult like black magic and things like that where they where it was much more difficult to focus on those activities and study them uh, and additionally they also focused on areas that had the most re readily immediate applied use cases um, particularly remote viewing and and things like that i didn't really read much in the um, literature about out-of-body experiences i do know that the CIA and DIA had worked with uh, Robert Monroe, who set up the Monroe Institute in Virginia, um, which still exists to this day, to look at that capability. Um, I did see one piece of declassified documentation that kind of alluded to the fact that the CIA and DIA officials thought that Monroe had a unique ability and was trying to kind of cash out on that unique ability. So they, had, you know, at, at one point, Later on, they actually did send send several people to train at the facility, so it could be it could be some attempt at disinformation, or they may have believed that at some point. I don't know. So you know that was kind of what the you know this kind of Project Gondola wish in, in the course of doing that study gave the U.S. intelligence community um, enough empirical data that they decided that they needed to at least invest in a scientific analysis of the program. Oh, the other thing that they noticed that, that it was increasingly alarming is in the, in the 1960s, there was a lot of open publication and scientific study of these phenomena. Uh, that said, there was also a lot of noise. There was a lot of um, pseudoscience and charlatanism, a lot of fake mediums and things like that. But what they did notice is that over time, the Soviet military intelligence apparatus started to increasingly um, shift funding into 
classified programs and discourage publication uh, or the widespread publication of open source research that had hitherto been conducted up until the 1960s. I mean, there's, there's still some, but it definitely it's definitely clear the Russians were trying to clamp down on um, this information getting out. And again, maintaining a skeptic's view could have also been a very broad and well-executed attempt at disinformation to get the U.S. to invest resources in something that that did not, you know, did not work. Uh, I, I don't know the answer. I just know that these ex these documents do exist. So as a result of this, the United States started a, um, you know, a, a program or several a series of several programs, um, ranging from um, Grill Flame, Sunstreak, uh, Center Lane, and then ultimately, I think the the last. Uh, program that was at least declassified was um, what most people are commonly have commonly heard of, which is Stargate. And you know, based based on what's been declassified, most of the effort was on a technique called remote viewing, which is not necessarily an out of it's not an out of body sort of experience, but it's it's it is a way to you know sit down while you're still conscious and project your consciousness to a target. And then you can describe the target. It's a bit like if you were kind of go back into the medieval times, it's like what they would call scrying, right? Um, and there were there were some people who were um, remarkably good at these things. So the there were government contractors who were involved. Um, one of the contractors was the um, Stanford Research Institute, which is you know, still exists today. It's a, a government uh, defense contractor. Uh, located in Palo Alto, California, near Stanford, obviously. Um, and there was a uh, remote viewing protocol that they established there that uh, the you know the CIA reviewed. During one of the tests, the CIA had had given, and when you give someone a target, you generally give them a series of coordinates. Um, you put it in an envelope and. And you tell them to review so the remote viewer doesn't know where they're going or what they're reviewing and all they do is kind of describe what they're seeing and the first target the C or one of the targets the cia gave them to vet this process was a a cabin um but that cabin was near an extremely high classified facility in west virginia and you know according to folks at the stanford research institute um who or, or at least or sri there was a very talented remote viewer. His name was Pat Price, who, you know, according to these remote viewers, in the psychic realm, the more you the more you try to hide something, the more it lights up in the in psychic space. So, while this um, while Pat Price was looking for this target, which was a a cabin on the edge, you know, near the edge of this highly classified facility. He drifted to the highly classified facility and was able to name individual file file folders like cue ball and, um, you know, things that he had. There was no way of him. There was no way for him to know um, through any any possible conventional means, particularly at that time. It and it freaked out. It absolutely freaked out the CIA because they he wasn't supposed to look at those targets. Um, and it also 
you know, he subsequently died at some point of congestive heart failure. I, well, I believe of kind of quote unquote natural causes, but there's, there's reason to believe that may or may not have been, you know, he was, he was actually concerned that he knew a little bit too much. And the other, the other, the other thing that they discovered about this, um, and, you know, they may have found a way to get around it since, but there's absolutely no way to defend. If you're trying to protect secrets, there's no way to defend yourself against these techniques. So, which is a reason for when the CIA finally took over the program in 1996, they did a very detailed, well, they, they did a very uh, a comprehensive study of it and concluded that it, you know, was not effective at all, um, not you know, not useful, and uh, they kind of subsequently buried it. Now, it's possible that's that's absolutely the case. It's also possible that uh, the last thing you want is every citizen of the world know that to know that um, you know most humans have this capacity to to use this and uh, can't really keep secrets very well anymore. So anyway, that's that's a very broad <laughs> broad introduction to to these programs um and again don't believe don't believe a word i'm saying just take a look at um these de de declassified documents you just do a search for project stargate and you will find the original documents you'll find budgets you'll find a number of people who have been employed in these programs and there are also alumni who who claim to have operated in these in these spaces um who've written books on on how to how to do that joe mcmonagle's is is one example so tc well yeah I'll, I'll add if i can add a couple more things to that um you know i think a lot of people when they encounter this topic for the first time think oh what a load of crap yeah um but you know there you you really have to consider the fact that um some valid scientific research has been done in this area at duke university um, you Pearl. mentioned stanford I, I wasn't aware of Pear. Princeton. It's, it's, it's called um, Pear. The, um, and they, they had done empirical studies. It demonstrated that um, from a statistical standpoint, they, you know, the p-value, they exceeded the p-value. It's value. better than chance. It's better than chance when, yeah, when you look at those kinds of controlled experiments. And there was and, a, um, th th there were um, uh, Nobel laureates working on this program and they they shut it down in 2007 so it was relatively recent. so people get uncomfortable about this topic but i i take the position of this is not up for debate there's something related to um you know what we can do with our minds that has influence over certain circumstances that clearly uh, you know they, they have that influence there, there's something going on we might not understand it I'll add one other thing. Um, at University of Virginia, they have a paranormal research institute that still is around today, a proper university facility. Professors in, um, in psychiatry are associated with it. They've done decades and decades of research on past lives and, um, and reincarnation and um, have uh, controlled, uh, well, maybe not controlled is the right word, but they, um, they have meticulously and painstakingly um, documented cases where young children are remembering events that did not happen during their lifetime, events that actually happened um, uh, previous, uh, previously to their being born. So, um, 
there there is plenty of evidence to suggest that something's going on and that we shouldn't just you know have the reaction that i already said which is oh that what a bunch of crap no it's not a bunch of crap there's something going on yeah but we should uh, yeah, the same the same to the same point that we shouldn't accept everything we see is true no like that. otherwise and look better better than chance that that might not cut it when you're trying to determine how many missiles the the um at the time soviet union had right like <laughs> yeah and, and to be clear as you as you well know right you're never going to send troops into harm's way unless you have multiple corroborating mm -hmm. intel to to confirm it so and the yeah. problem with remote viewing is there's there's a certain like the way that we're all trained to think particularly in the united states it's highly analytical um we we we, we were constantly analyzing and trying to answer like well why is this well okay. so we're constantly trying to find ex explanations behind certain things that we see and when you do we are remote, and when you do remote viewing you have to keep yourself open because you might see something you've never seen before i mean to give you an example right let's say um let's say that somebody in ancient rome saw what the uh pilots did in the uss nimitz right how would they describe it well, they wouldn't exactly have the language or the experience to describe it as, you know, an extraterrestrial or even an inter interdimensional being. They wouldn't understand that. But it could be, you know, a flying chariot, right? Yeah. It could be yeah. a um, god. Yeah. So we, we might not even. So, so the issue is, is when you're when you go through remote viewing, you're just seeing images, smelling things, you're you're experiencing something you might not be able to describe so you put an analytical overlay on it that might corrupt what you're seeing which re which is one reason why uh yeah i think it's only it's about like 60 percent accurate right i'll tell you what the best stock pickers in the world are 60 percent accurate well the um the other thing i'll mention too is that uh you know we are as westerners we're very different from the russians we are we and our religions, especially if you're Christian, are very much um, kind of we've been we've been really stewed in the Socratic method, in in the whole you know Greek philosophy that gave birth to the scientific method. That you're getting back to your whole thing of we're analytic, right? We've we've got to we've got to have a framework to understand these things. The Russians are much more receptive to to kind of the the more spiritualistic explanations. Um, they were not, the Eastern Orthodox Church was not married to that, that same kind of philosophy and, and, um, and methodology. So, um, you know, you and I have talked about this. Uh, I met Joe McMonagall. So tell, tell uh, should, me I, should I tell that story? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's on you, brother. It's on you. So I forgot what it's called, but um, I was, um, my role back in my, yeah, back when I was a young man, and I'm old now, um, I was in a relationship with somebody whose mother was very connected to the Monroe Institute. And she gave me as a gift um, a, uh, a chance to go to the program where they, it's kind of like the first step, I forgot what it's called, like the pilot program or whatever, where, where you go and the whole goal is through meditation, um, through the use of sound and frequencies, Hemisync, right? Uh, hemisync. hemisync, yeah. You, you. The goal is to have an out-of-body experience. And um, excuse me, I, I'm drinking seltzer water, and it's 
anyway. Um, <laughs> you don't want to um, your nose. I get it. Yeah. The, um, the interesting part I, for me, the most interesting part of that was, um, well, a couple of things. Let me, let me give some atmosphere. The Monroe Institute, when you go there, when I was there, I don't know what it's like today. It was a very 1960s, 70s vibe, right? Like the building itself, and um, which shouldn't surprise anybody. <laughs> and, uh, um, you really are, as soon as you get there, you're shut off from the rest of society. You don't have, back then we didn't have cell phones, but I imagine they would take them from you today. Um, you didn't have access to phones at all. Didn't have access to your car, nothing. Shut off and completely isolated with another group of individuals, with a group of individuals. There may be about eight of us, eight or nine of us. And um, you eat together, you meditate together. Um, when you're not doing those things together and you're sleeping, you don't really sleep. They put you in this cubicle, which is almost like an isolation tank, but not quite. Um, but it's got like, you know, draperies, uh, total darkness. You've got headphones on, listening to Hemisync stuff. And um, very quickly, you start to feel like um, things are really weird, right? And, um, and then one night, uh, there was a session on remote viewing and Joe McMonigle came in. And so we're in this classroom and Joe McMonigle at the time, he was getting up there, he was a Vietnam vet. Um, you know, he, he would go through his training sequence but in addition to that he kind of told a little of his history and how he developed what he believed were psychic capabilities and i think that he experienced stuff in his childhood um but one of the things that people don't mention or maybe they're not aware of is i could be wrong but this is how i remember it i believe his experiences in the vietnam war also played a role in um in bringing something out um, in terms of his capabilities and so he was very much an advocate of this concept that uh, trauma, major trauma, can um, have an effect on somebody's mentality or, or psyche to the point where suddenly, you know, there's the before event and then an after event. And after, you've got some sort of increased ability to, to um, either remote view or um, be, be telepathic or whatever. So um, I can't remember his training regime. But he sat us all down and we gave us a piece of paper. And he had something in an envelope up at the front of the classroom, um, coordinates or a name of a city, I think in this case. Mm -hmm. And he asked us um, to go ahead and start doing certain things and drawing as we did them. And um, I got it completely wrong. I, I didn't even get close. <laughs> I was completely wrong. Um, but others in the class did. And afterward, I went and had a talk with him. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't want to get too involved in this story, but as no, a it's result, I, I want you to get involved. This is interesting. Well, the personal side of it, I don't want to get involved with, no. but I will say this. Um, after talking to Joe, after being at the Monroe Institute for however many days I was there at that point, um, it was very clear to me that um, the woman I was involved with at the time, um, that I shouldn't be in that relationship for a number of different reasons uh, that I could not see prior to going here. But while I was at the Monroe Institute, I got a very clear picture of what was going on. Let's just say when I wasn't around. Um, and uh, it was very upsetting. I, uh, I talked to Joe about it and he was like, look, man, 
um, you know, I talked to him a bit about my past and he said, it's very possible that you, you remind me of me. It's very possible that what you're seeing is real. And it turns out it was at the time I was so bothered by it. I couldn't stay. And, um, the, the people who ran the, the Monroe Institute, uh, did not want me to leave because it would ruin the group dynamic. Right. But I was basically like, you motherfuckers, you better give me my car. Key. Sorry, I don't know if I could swear on your program. You better give me my car you bring, keys. You bring out the swearing in me. I think you're, only, you're the only podcast where I started swearing. So thanks. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. You bring out the best. Um, <laughs> you better give me my car keys. I, I'm getting out of here. I need to use the phone, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and I didn't know it at the time. It was after I got picked up. Um, that's when I found out that everything I'd been thinking was was true, my worst nightmare at the time. And um, it was awful. It was an awful period of my life. Uh, but man, something happened there. I can't explain it. What what um, what, what gave you these feel like what was it were they thoughts, images? Uh, so conversations, conversations, images, all sorts of things that I had not put together, all of a sudden came together in this cohesive picture of, holy shit, this is going on. This is happening. Uh, like, so some people- say thoughts and conversations are these, so I'm trying to separate the analytical from the, from the paranormal, right? So, right. Um, I don't know that you can in this case. Um, I could easily see somebody saying, Oh, well, those things were already there in your subconscious from conversations you had had with this girl. Right. Um, right. From things you'd observed. And but when I say you know, images, maybe the meditation. When I say images, are these memories or are these just images? No, these are, these are images of a location and a place where I saw something going on. And was that place um, consistent with what you subsequently found out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and of all places, it happened to be Russia. <laughs> it always comes back to you. Always got to bring it back to Russia. Yeah. <laughs> you got to learn to bring it back to China. That's the, that's, the new, that's the new way. That's the new way. Yep. But uh, so anyway, um, I have Monroe Institute to thank for that. Um, you know, we were young. It, it was well, you were about, to get, you were about to get married sides. to this woman, right? Yeah. 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 And um, probably not a good idea for either of us, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, but I, um, it, it was an experience I'll never forget for a number of different reasons. But first and foremost, of um, how the hell did that happen? How did all of a sudden all this disparate stuff come together at that moment? And um, and I have this awakening of of just monumental proportions for me at the time, anyway. So that's my story. So what do you think all this means? Well, I'm never going back to the Monroe Institute. Really? Um, <laughs> I, I recommend it, but it's not like that was a good experience for me, right? It's yeah. kind of like some a kid who eats pizza and then winds up getting sick and hates pizza from then on out, right? Like that that's how it is for me. Nothing, uh, I, I don't have anything to say, oh, you shouldn't go to the Monroe Institute. Yeah, you're worried you'll have another negative experience. Yeah, I don't want to know. Do. Yeah, I don't want to know. But that's, I think that is a good lesson to take away. You know, um, if this is real, it's not like it's always going to give you good experiences, you know? Right. 
I don't know what it means. Maybe we're in a simulation. Um, that's entirely possible. Uh, maybe, maybe it life, means God's maybe, real. Maybe life is a um, look. Look, I, I've I've read a lot of stuff, and again, I don't. People who experience these things, they when you ask them if they believe, they say no, right? They and then they'll respond, "I know." I don't know, right? I've never right. had, at least at least with my own memory, right? I don't remember. I've never experienced anything you could possibly classify as as a parent. Like the 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 strangest thing has ever happened to me was like a raven like landed on my. I have weird like stuff happening with animals, right? Um, but that 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 could just be coincidental and, and random, right? Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. That's, that's if I'm like trying to find something that's 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 what i would say but again it, it's more likely coincidental than anything anything like that but uh where was i going with this <laughs> you said you started off with people who have these experiences say i don't think i know yeah so so if you kind of review a lot of these experiences if you read like Robert Monroe's books, like Journey Out of the Body and, and, and things like that, um, you you learn like you look read about near death experiences and things like that. Now they could all be aping each other and copying each other, right? But if I if 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 I was to put my conspiracy theory hat on it, uh, hat on, um, and and kind of crowdsource all this stuff again, I have not personally experienced it. I don't. I don't believe this, right? I just I don't know. But if I if I put an analytical hat on and couple all these experiences, the narrative that seems to emerge over and over again is that you know we talked in a previous example about we're, you know we're called containers, right? So there is a narrative that that suggests that. Um, kind of in meat meat space is a thing right it is a it is a very limited um viewpoint that 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 we have because we don't just the, the cranial capacity we have is just not not enough to encompass the full breadth of what reality really is um there's also an element of forgetting right so if we were all living in a simulation and we knew it was a simulation and you know you're having a really bad year. Well, just kill yourself. Get a new. Just do something. Yeah. You know, get, get get another. Right. It's just like it's like when you're you ever played Dungeons and Dragons when you're a kid. Yeah. Get a new character. Yeah, and you just keep rolling dice until you have the best character. Yeah. So, what I think is when I not what I think, but what this what I think this narrative, you know, the particular narrative seems to suggest is that. Um. A lifespan is something where a, a you know a much you have a very limited perception, um, which is limited by meat space. You you there's a there's a there's a bit of forgetting, so you don't see the full piece of reality, and you're here to learn certain lessons. Um, in all these experiences, there are there's kind of an element of timelessness, so there's you know there's this these life audits right where you know when you when you die um people report going through kind of all the bad they put out in the world and then seeing the ripple effect 
and experiencing the yep. emotions of all the bad things and the good things that they did. You're talking um, about life after death. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, these life yeah. audits of people that come back, right? But yeah. there's, but it's it's enough that like you couldn't do it in, in with time constraints, right? So time might be an artifice. And the other the other thing that I've heard incidentally as well is that you may know like there may be an element of predestination, right? And again, I'm a Catholic, right? I'm not a, but we might not know what happens, but going into it, you kind of know that there's going to be some key events that you experience and that, um, that will help. Some you people would even say you choose. Right. No, no, that's exactly life what exactly. you're going into. Yeah. That's exa exactly what I'm saying. But, but, but the whole point of it all is to learn. Yeah. And to evolve and to raise your consciousness to a, a new level. Now, I'm speaking as if I believe this, right? And and I, I don't know what to believe. I want to be very clear. Um, I think there's something to it. I also think that if, you know, physics said says energy is ni neither created nor destroyed, right? So I'm not a believer that your energy just fades away when you, you, you die, right? I think... I think there is something beyond. Um, and, and, and what these near-death experiences seem to point is that the consciousness and awareness is so much more expansive outside of this kind of meat space because you're not confined into four dimensions of, you know, um, three is space, one of, one of time. You're, you're kind of beyond that. Um, but I don't know. Like... The best books to read about all this stuff are kind of the, the three Monroe books, which are absolutely fascinating. But you can't. This is one of those things that's not. It's not. You know. You just have to. Some people just feel like they know it because they've experienced right. it. I've never experienced right. it, so I don't know. I don't know. Even with my experience, I I doubt. You know, I, I just I can't. The analytic part of me, I can't shake it. The, the scientific training, I can't shake it. And, but I, um, I, but I, I even think there's probably a scientific basis for all this. It's just we don't yes. we, we yeah. can't detect the the field the fields yet that somebody would describe as psychic fields or um, or even reality. Like we just we don't have the sensors. Same thing. Like we can't we see the effects of gravity, but we still don't really. Uh, and we know that's caused by waves, but we we have to go through through a ton of experimentation to truly the, verify that it exists the empirical evidence is there let's just but the mechanism talk about, is not but the mechanism right the theory is 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 lacking there's a hundred different theories a thousand a million um but the empirical evidence is there i i would say um and have said earlier when we were talking that um that there is some basis scientifically to what you're talking about right now coming here to learn um forgetting choosing your your life um in some cases the forgetting breaks and you get these people who remember as children the life they had before right um and reincarnation is not you know you mentioned you're catholic i'm catholic that's a that's a no-no catholics don't get reincarnated right well they do something like talking <laughs> to know? like dead, dead relatives and things like that like that's yeah yeah um, so it's interesting when you start talking about faith and, and different views on these things, um, the, the life after death experiences of Buddhists are different from, from Christians. Um, 
but um, there are also some common elements um, uh, between the life after death experiences. And one of the ones that I'm most fascinated by that you've already mentioned is that, that life review, that um, you don't just, from what I understand, in most cases anyway, you don't just review what happened, you feel from the other person's perspective. And several people down the line based on the ripple. Yeah. And often what you, stuff that you remember doing. Oh, and right? you feel that awfulness of, of a simple word and the pain it can cause, you know? And um, I don't know if I want to go through that. <laughs> well, it's, there's, also, there's also the positive side too. Yeah, you, the good things you do, for sure. Um, but even, even, even like, even knowing or even seeing other people report to have experienced that has, has, has started to change my own behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, well, what I'm taking kind of the Pascal's wager sort of like, well, what if it is true? Right. We better, better, the well, 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 side of it. Well, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt me. It's right. not going to hurt anybody in my life. In fact, it'll, it'll help people if I'm just, if I am quicker to forgive, if I, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, what, like, that's hard. Like, I'm not a forgiving, like, on loyalty and integrity matters, I don't forgive. Yeah. I forgive no, just about tough. everything else. Just about everything else. But, like, um, yeah, but at the end of the day, though, there's, there's, there's things that, you know, you might think you harmed somebody in a certain way, but it turns out that it's, it doesn't even show up. Like, it's not even part of it. It'll be some little thing that you had no idea that just causes deep, enormous pain. Or... You may have changed somebody's life, yeah, right, and it had a positive ripple effect. And you and you thought it was a small thing, or don't even remember doing it. So yeah. anyway, I don't. Again, I I have not experienced anything like this. I am like, you know, I, I think if if I had like a psychic IQ and like the average IQ was like a hundred, I would be at like twenty, <laughs> right? I just no, but it's it's. It's um, I think that everything we're talking about here, though, is is a very hopeful message. That's a positive message. Yeah. Um, and I would I would encourage people to come to the same conclusion you did, which is um, bet bet on the side of there's something more to life than than the material. Yeah, bet, bet on good. Um, bet, yeah. bet on bet yeah. on bet bet on the good intentions of of people. Don't commit yep. the fundamental attribution error where you assume that um, you know, you attribute to malice what is really just stupidity dumb fuckery was the word i was gonna yeah um, well that's a better word <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's just it, it's i don't know again i have no experience with this um but if if the conclusion is to live a good and positive life you ought to endeavor to live a good and positive life and if if you kind of wink out of existence after you die nothing ventured nothing gained yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, TC, with that. Um, That's a good note to end it on. Yeah, I appreciate your time. And, and we'll we'll get you back because we need to talk about your your books and, and, and things yeah. with, with, with Bain. But I think Definitely. you and I just couldn't resist talking about this stuff for like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan. It's well, like... It's, it's, it's fascinating. Like, uh, Look, I'm fascinated by it. I, I can I, spend I, hours... I, and I just, I don't, I'm like, I, there's certainly, there's a huge element of doubt, right? But I, there's a huge element of doubt for me in every aspect as, you know, as a Catholic, yeah. as a, um, well, as a Catholic, I think you and I have discussed this. I would recommend starting to look at some of the, um, the prophecies and, and the prophets, 
that the Catholic Church has accepted, like the um, the Fatima seers. The um, you know what I'm talking about? Have we talked about that? I think so. Like the three the three prophecies and yeah, yeah. I find that stuff fascinating too. It's it's amazing when you've got witnesses to an event, thirty thousand plus witnesses in 1917. You think that was um, a, in a field? It was a dancing sun, but was that a UFO? Or you think it was a dancing like right? And what was that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah the, you'd notice, there's, there's, you'd know, like astronomers would notice that the sun was moving, right? It then that's an interesting point. There's clearly when you get outside of a certain radius of that area, people didn't see anything. Yeah. It was only the people in that area that saw this. So what and would so, the skeptic debunker say about it? Would be something about mass hysteria, but what would they mass what? hysteria and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, but you know, it kind of those types of things now having the breadth of all the things we've discussed, right? Um, I no longer look at that as a spiritual event necessarily. It could be, um, but I have to now look at it holistically in the context of things we've discussed like Skinwalker Ranch, um, you know, the UAP phenomenon, all everything. Well, even looking at it from a scientific standpoint, if you have a civilization that's a million years more advanced than you in either dimensional space or well, I don't know if a dimensional is probably a good terminology for it, but reality space, let's call it. Right. <clears throat> or, or even like, you know, outer space or, you know, what have you, if they're you know, a million years more advanced, they would have discovered, um, you know, different, again, the unified field theory, like Einstein was never yeah. able to, to come up with one, like a single, single unified field theory to describe it how all these, how the four forces, at least the four forces that we know of, which is the weak nuclear force, strong nuclear force, gra gravitational force, and then uh, electromag electromagnetism. For all yep. we know, there may be other fi like fields and forces that we just have not been able to detect, um, yeah. understand, or or know. And these, these civilizations may have found a way to exploit these fields. So talk about higher dimensions of consciousness and things like that and maybe their technology is the reason that, that it, you know if these things of if you believe the kind of the bob lazar thing the reason you may not be able to fully understand these things is could be simple reasons we just don't have the metallurgical know-how yet to figure them out um, with the technological know-how but there also might be some element of consciousness yeah. that helps you know that we just don't quite understand it's required yeah yeah or fields you know even just other particles that we don't aren't aware that exist that um you know affect something on the world yeah yep anyway it was a pleasure tc definitely we'll sean thanks for having me soon. i appreciate it yeah we'll okay. see uh, i wonder we'll see how this thing how this thing goes talk to you soon my friend <laughs> all right talk to you later see ya